Gonzalez. Welcome to another episode of the DFS Dose, your fix of DFS information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, and as always, I'm joined by the two Jays, Joey and Jared. And gentlemen, we got some big news, big announcement coming. Cue the drum roll. You know, just pretend there's a drum roll going on right now. Maybe I'll add it in post. Big news in three, two, one. We officially got approved on iTunes. So what that means is that you guys can subscribe to our pod on iTunes. Uh, We're also on Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere that you get your podcast. You can officially subscribe to us, and we hope that you do. It helps us out. Rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, That can push us up the charts so we get uh, heard by more people, which is the end goal. So uh, we would appreciate it if you guys subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Today we're going to be talking about a couple different things. We're going to be talking about some GPP stacks uh, for week one on DraftKings, some low-owned stacks, try and get away from the chalk. Uh, Then we're going to talk about some underdrafted players in redraft, and then we're going to close out the show once again with some rapid fire. Uh, How about we get right into it, and I'm going to toss it to Jared to start off. Who do you like to stack in week one on DraftKings? I am liking Andy Dalton at 5,800 and pairing with John Ross at 3,900 against the same terrible Colts defense that I was talking about the other day. Uh, just one one major bomb could drastically change the whole your whole positioning in a, in a good GPP this week, and all Dalton could just completely go off because that Colts defense is terrible. Uh, do you like uh, Ross with any of the other passing options? Like, would you would you play Dalton, Ross, and Green together? All day, definitely. I love AJ Green too. I like Joe Mixon a lot too. Yeah, and I I think that Andrew Luck and Hilton will probably be pretty popular, assuming that everything stays good with Luck through the preseason. But uh, bringing it back with Ross on the other side would be a good way to diversify that, or you know, just stacking Hilton in the same game with Dalton Ross mm-hmm. and maybe Green could could be pretty big. Uh, who do you like as a stack for week one, Joey? All right, my <clears throat> preferred stack for week one uh, going against the chalk would be Case Keenum, Demarius Thomas, and Emmanuel Sanders playing against the Seahawks at home. All right, so the Denver Broncos signed Case Keenum this offseason after a pretty good year last year with the Vikings. So... I like I like that matchup against the Seahawks, who lost a bunch of key players. Example: Richard Sherman, uh, Michael Bennett, Cam Chancellor due to retirement. Uh, Earl Thomas is still holding out as well. So I like that. I like the play of Case Keenum, Demaryius Thomas, and Emmanuel Sanders. They could provide some good value. Uh, Case Keenum is fifty one hundred. Demaryius Thomas is fifty seven hundred, and Emmanuel Sanders is five thousand. That definitely sounds good on paper, and I'm I'm 100% with you as far as the Seahawks defense taking a huge step back. Do you have any concern, though, that uh, Keenum is perhaps not the player we saw last year and more the player that he's been his entire career? Or do you really think that he's kind of turned it around and will be that same quarterback that he was with the Vikings? I mean, going into last year when he uh, replaced Sam Bradford as a Vikings starter, I... I always thought that he was a bad quarterback. He was always a journeyman, and he was always just a clear backup. But after last year, he proved that he could be a starter and be a good starter at that. So, I mean, I just have to look to last year and hope that he can reproduce what he did with the Vikings, and that's why I like him. I mean, I don't think he's got it in him to win you a GPP, though. That's my only thing. Yeah, but you only need, what, 
20, 20 points for your quarterback? I don't know. It depends on what Chalk does. You know what I'm saying? Luck, luck could snap. I feel you. The one, the one thing I like about uh, Keenum's passing options is the target share in Denver is always very concise. It, oh, you know, Sanders and Thomas almost always are yeah. pretty much the entire target share. Uh, that might change with Cortland Sutton, but I think that it's a pretty safe bet that if Keenum goes off, yeah. that either one or both of them go exactly. off. So, I, I like Keenum for sure as a cash play and. I, I kind of agree with Jared that I don't know if the upside's there, but it is a possibility. Um, one stack that I like for week one uh, is pretty much going just a complete game stack of the Chargers and Chiefs game. So what I was looking at would be going Rivers, Gordon, Keenan Allen, uh, bringing it back with Tyreek Hill, maybe even throwing in either Mike Williams or uh, Tyrell Williams. Uh, Mike Williams is 3,900, and Tyrell is 4,100. So it would come down to ownership percentage as to which of them I'd like more for GPPs. But uh, that game is tied for the third highest point total of the week as of now at 47.5. Uh, the Chargers are favorites. The Chiefs are just decimated in their secondary right now and i think that rivers to keenan is going to be pretty popular honestly but i think by adding one of the two williams and gordon bringing it back with hill you might be able to get a unique lineup and it isn't a cheap stack either that that would come up to about thirty-one thousand uh and a little over that so you would have to find some value but luckily the DraftKings prices come out so early for week one that there's going to be significant value you could pay down at your other positions and still be able to get another good player or two in there what do you guys think about game stacking the chargers game i like i like tyra williams a lot yeah i definitely like uh stacking that game i feel like the players in that game could snap for for big days uh gpp wise i might i might lean on the other side in that game chiefs Chiefs. No, I, I think their upside is much higher. You think uh, Sammy's in play for no, that game? Um, I think Hill's going to be a lot more popular. It, it Sammy's, you know, it's going to be his first year there. But Tyrell, or for Tyreek Hill, he is also playing with Mahomes for the first time. So it yeah. could be a chance for Watkins to sort of get cut out a decent target share for himself. If I had to guess i think casey might be on sammy watkins because i believe trevor williams is way faster mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. trevor williams might be sense. on tyreek hill so that means sammy watkins might be completely out of the picture i might go like a mahomes tyreek kelsey hunt if you're going to full stack like that um uh joey do you have another stack that you like for week one yeah just a stack that i like i probably I won't play it a lot, but I definitely throw it in there. I like Tyrod Taylor, Jarvis Landry, Josh Gordon if he plays Week One, and then Carlos Hyde if Josh Gordon doesn't play. So Tyrod wait, is wait wait I I remember a hundred percent guarantee. Yeah, from you just the other day. Yeah, about four days ago. I will definitely put Josh Gordon in, but anything could happen. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so. Anyways, Tyrod is 5,400, Jarvis Landry is 5,500, Josh Gordon is 5,800, and Carlos Hyde is 4,500. So they're pretty uh, cheap plays for week one, and they're playing the Steelers at home. And the Steelers have a pretty bad secondary. That's definitely the worst part of their defense. So I feel like, you know, the Browns coming off 0-16 year, 
they're going to want to prove that they can hang with the big boys and they're going to want to pass a lot. So I just I just like stacking that game cuz I really believe that they won't be owned very highly, probably under 10% as like as a team stack. Uh that's interesting. I I almost think the opposite. I don't know how if this is a, you know, if there's numbers to back this up or not, but I think that just them being on hard knocks and everybody watching the Browns so carefully um, might make people be on them more than they normally would for an 0-16 team. Uh, but that being said, I think that by adding all, all of those plays, then that could diversify and make give you a unique lineup. Yeah, there's an argument with that, with the hard knocks and that being on HBO. But let's be real. There's people can definitely dif- differentiate watching reality television that is based on like their football team and then them their actual fantasy value and if they'll win games or not. That's a, that's a fair point. Um, Jared, do you have another stack you want to toss out there for week one? Uh, yeah, I like Alex Smith and Jameson Crowder and not really much else. Maybe Josh Doxson in that game. Alex Smith has just, honestly, he can just snap at, at any point, especially if he wants to trust himself and throw the deep ball. And Crowder's upside is literally like 40 points because he could honestly just get 14 catches, 15 catches because Alex Smith loves to shut down. And he has pretty... uh high yardage per catch so i like the, i like the upside there on all three of them josh doxson is a pretty solid deep threat so he could score a couple times and he's a big he's a big dude to a solid red zone target as well yeah so crowder is 5000 on DraftKings week one smith is 5600 and doxson is 4500 so that's a pretty uh cheap stack so i could definitely see them being uh pretty workable for week one all right, Ben, is there another sack that you like for week one? Yeah, um, I think that this one will be pretty low-owned, if owned at all, uh, and that is going with a game stack of the Tennessee game with Miami. Uh, so I would I would like to stack Mariota, who is 6,300, with Taiwan Taylor, who's 36, and possibly also throw Deion Lewis in there at 49 and Kenny Stills on the other side at 47. So... If you play all four of those guys, uh, the salary is going to be 19500 which leaves you with an average of 61000 per player, and that gives you uh, you know, five players with pretty high price tags, including your tight end and defense. So if you pay down there, you could play quite a few studs with that lineup. And Kenny Stills obviously has big play upside. He should be low-owned. I'm not sure if people will still be on Parker or Albert Wilson, but... Uh, I feel like Stills is probably the safest bet and the most explosive bet in the Dolphins. And Taiwan Taylor just had a big preseason game. He has a good connection with Mariota. Uh, despite the Titans re-extending uh, Richard Matthews the other day, he hasn't practiced yet this season. And Deion Lewis is a solid pass catcher, so there's some decent correlation between him and Mariota. And I think that it's even more contrarian because – people who are playing Mariota will likely be playing Corey Davis as the main pass catcher. So I think that by adding Taylor and Lewis, you're going to get a pretty unique lineup there. What do you guys think about that one? It will definitely be unique, and I don't think it'll be owned very much, like you said. But it's just, are they going to score points in that game? Are they going to score fantasy points? 
That's the only I, question. I, I think the Titans could because when you look at the Dolphins' defense, there's really not that much there. And I, I'm personally just – my expectations for the Dolphins is that they're just going to be an absolutely abysmal team. Uh, I, I agree. I've got very little faith in the Dolphins. I could definitely see this being Tannehill's last year with the Dolphins, Adam Gase's last year with the Dolphins, and them just pretty much starting from scratch next year. I agree. I, I like Dan Lewis a lot the whole season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, any anything else before we move on to our next segment? A, a little stack you can watch for is that Panthers stack with CMC, Newton, and Funches too. Dallas defense isn't really that good. Yep, that's uh definitely will be on the radars. I I, I expect Christian McCaffrey to be pretty highly owned, in but every in in everything cash GPP he's gonna yeah be, everything he's gonna be high owned. He is. Um, I don't think Newton would be owned if, like, honestly at all. But I love him the whole season, too. Yeah, Newton is uh, 6,900. He's actually the second-highest quarterback on the slate behind Brady, so I think that uh, that would actually be a pretty decent play in GPPs. I, I think Cam Newton will be owned, though. He was the second-highest-scoring quarterback last year. Yeah, That's but, true. I mean, with all the people riding Andrew Luck mm-hmm. and Brady after that shootout last year with uh, – Houston. Deshaun Watson will be one of the highest owned oh, yeah, as well. Watson. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot of, lot of places. It could it could honestly be there's a lot of places. I think well, Andrew Luck would be the highest though. Uh, I don't know. If you're doing um any of the big GPPs for week one, like the Millionaire Maker where there's 294,000 entries, I feel like Everybody will have a all the entries will have a pretty good share of the top quarterbacks. Yeah. yeah, we'll uh we'll we'll update and we'll talk a lot more about GPPs once uh you know we have a clearer focus on ownership going into week one. This is just sort of a early look. All right, we're gonna be moving on to our next segment, ADP Gold, and we're gonna be talking about a couple of players who are underdrafted. Uh, you could check out our first episode to hear some players that we think are going overdrafted. Uh, but we are going to be using Fantasy Pros ADP. So what they do is compile a composite ADP from Yahoo, CBS, ESPN, My Fantasy League, and all those sites and make sort of a true average draft position. So we're going to be looking at their PPR ADP and talking about some players who are going too low at their current positions. Uh, Joe, you want to kick us off with somebody who's being underdrafted? So the first person that... Uh, jumps off the page to me is Marvin Jones. His average draft position is currently 53, which he's being drafted as a receiver 24 this year. Last mm-hmm. season, he was a top 12 receiver in fantasy. So that's it's just crazy to me how he's being drafted at receiver 24 when he was a top receiver last year in fantasy. It just it just doesn't make any sense. And it's not like they it's not like the Lions lost any you know, key pieces. They actually got some people, LeGarrette Blount, uh, on Johnson. They got Matt Patricia as a head coach. So I feel like the Lions offense will do pretty well uh, this upcoming season. And it's just, I feel like that's just a steal getting them at that uh, position. You know, as a resident Lions fan on this podcast, uh, I love to hear that for sure. Um, <laughs> just, but and, and also to point out real quick, uh, they actually lost Eric Ebron, which isn't a big loss for their team, but it could potentially open up more targets. So yeah, if anything, could. I think that could improve uh, Marvin. Because like, if you look at the 
the receivers going ahead of him, like Allen Robinson is going ahead of him, who only played one snap last year because he got he tore his ACL on the first play of the game. Yeah, and like, and uh, Marvin is also one of the top uh, targeted red zone players, so he has a pretty decent touchdown share in the Lions offense. And uh, one of the players I think is being underdrafted is actually another uh, Lions wide receiver, and that's Kenny Galladay who is currently going at 148. Uh, He's the wide receiver 55, so you can get him in the 12th, 13th round. And I'm going to be completely honest. I For for most of this offseason, I have not been buying into the hype that Kenny Galladay is going to break out. I really didn't see it. Uh, He flashed a certain explosiveness at points last year, but I didn't really think he was anything super special. However, if you've been following camp reports, he's actually replaced Golden Tate as the Lions wide receiver too. So if the Lions are playing any two wide sets, it's going to be Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay out there uh, with Golden Tate pretty much relegated to the slot. So I think that Galladay, uh, as I mentioned, the Ebron's departure opens up more targets in that offense. And Ebron was a big body. Galladay's a big body. I think that if him and Stafford have uh, an improved chemistry from last year, I think Galladay could definitely be a breakout in his second year. Uh, what do you guys think about Galladay this year? Just yeah, with the Lions' offense and with Stafford, they just they love to throw the ball. Just because they they haven't had run game, they haven't had a run game in you know a couple years. So they do, and they're always uh, among the league's top uh, you know pass attempts. Yeah. That's that's if you've listened to GM Bob Quinn or Matt Patricia talk, they really want to change that and go more run heavy. So there may be less overall pass attempts, but it could lead to more efficient pass attempts. So I still think there's definitely a good room for Galladay to to show something. For sure. Yeah, I agree with Marvin Jones and Galladay. They honestly could both. I think Marvin Jones could be a top ten receiver this year if everything goes well, especially if mm-hmm. they get a run game. Because he is really good. He is, he is. Um, Jared, who is somebody that you like uh, as being underdrafted this year? Devin Funches is going 84th overall as a wide receiver, 35. 34 receivers are going to pick before him, like Michael Crabtree, who is terrible. And Funches has the 14th easiest schedule among our wide receivers in the league. They're getting... DJ Moore, who's going to help him on the outside. CMC Moore, according to the offense. I just think they're in, he's in for a huge year. That whole offense is in for a huge year. So Funchess had his best year last year. Uh, he had 119 targets, 67 receptions for uh, 919 yards and eight touchdowns. Do you think that Funchess could be a player who gets his first 1,000-yard season this year? If you want my personal opinion, I think he goes for 1,210 touchdowns. Interesting. Despite them adding a, uh, a wide receiver in the first round in DJ Moore this year? Yes. That they I, are pretty high on. They yeah, are high Funches, on. Saying Funches is good. Steve Smith, that could be hype, though. Funches is really good. I don't know why nobody sees that. He, he He's pretty inconsistent, in my opinion. That's what, that's why people are or tend to be off of him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I could see, I could see it, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm just a big, a big fan of him. And the the first game of the season, he has the third worst um defense against wide receivers from last year. Uh, yeah, against the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he that could be just a huge game just to start him off. 
For sure. Um, Joey, do you want to toss another one out there? Yeah, so another player I'm looking at is also a receiver. Mentioned earlier is Emmanuel Sanders. He's being drafted at pick 78 on average, and he's a receiver 33. And just like I was saying earlier, <clears throat> they brought in Case Keenum. Um, the, the Broncos' offense just last year was terrible, 100%. Trevor Simeon and uh, Paxton Lynch are two terrible quarterbacks, so it obviously brought down his value last year, and he had a pretty bad uh, year. But I feel like he can have a good bounce-back year. Besides last season, the previous three seasons, he was a wide receiver too. So if Case Keenum can show any glimpse of what he was with the Vikings, I feel like him and Sanders could have a pretty good connection going into the season, and he could be a play all year. Yeah, I like that call for Sanders to bounce back. Keenum is definitely going to be a far more competent quarterback, assuming that he can even play at semi yeah. the level he and, was last year. And they also have Chad Kelly, who overtook uh, Paxton Lynch as a backup quarterback, and he's been playing pretty well in the preseason. I love Chad there, Kelly. There's a lot of hype surrounding him. I so, love Chad Kelly. So if, if Case Keenum ever gets hurt, we might see a Chad Kelly era in Denver. That would certainly be something. He is going to take over his job, and he is going <laughs> to run away with it. I, I just want to point out that Paxton Lynch is a complete bust that nobody talks about. Yeah, he's oh, bad. Yeah. He, he's a bust, no he, doubt about he that. So he looks bad. horrible. He and he's shown so no bad. progress either. He looks just as bad now as he did when he first came in the league, you know? And the crazy thing is, is he wasn't even that good in Memphis. It's just in that draft, in that draft, uh, teams were reaching for quarterbacks and the and the Broncos Elway reached very hard oh my yeah, god I, I was kind of surprised that uh they didn't take Josh Allen this year but I guess they were just infatuated with Chubb and pretty confident in their signing of Keenum so I mean we'll see if that bites them or not I mean to pair Chubb with Von Miller I would do that all day too yeah that yeah. is a Disgusting. fair point uh, just a quick point about uh, Sanders again. Joey, do you have any worry that Cortland Sutton could eat into his work? Because they're pretty high on him as well. I mean, <laughs> I feel like there's enough targets to go around in that offense. Uh, there's really no tight end play. We haven't seen anything from Jake Butt for him to be a viable play. Um, They they drafted Royce Freeman in the, in the backfield. They also have Devontae Brooker. So... You know, I feel like the players around him won't take away the top two, Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, target share. And Cortland Sutton, I feel like they're going to only use him in the red zone for his rookie year. Yeah, it could definitely shake out that way. And if the Broncos want to replicate the success they had with Keenum, you know, uh, Keenum did pretty well with a main duo of receivers and digs and Thielen yeah. last year so they could definitely uh and also go back to that yeah also I feel like you know the Broncos have pretty good players on offense but I feel like they're gonna rely on their defense uh, again to carry them to wins they're gonna try because you know mentioned uh, Bradley Chubb got drafted so they have Chubb and Von Miller two pretty good pass rushers pretty good so <laughs> yeah yeah well, that is crazy well, <laughs> Obviously, Von Miller is the best pass rusher in the NFL. Um, Bradley Chubb, he's a rookie, but he he was pretty good um, in college. So he was I feel really like good. Their defense yeah. is going to carry them. 
So it's going to give them more opportunities on offense to, to get points. Not a fan of Keenum. I, I love Keenum. For, I don't know. I, he was he looked pretty good last year. He he was pretty good in the playoffs as well. Besides the Eagles game, he he was bad. He was very yeah. Bad. Well, he didn't look great against the Saints either. He just got lucky. <laughs> uh, Jared, do you want to toss out another underdrafted player? Um, yeah, Jameson Carter at 89th overall, the wide receiver, 37. He could be in for a hundred catch season, and. He could have a floor of five, like five catches a game. I just don't see why he's going so low, even behind Punches. I think he should be ahead of Punches, ahead of Michael Crabtree, who goes 25 spots ahead of him, ahead of Rashad Penny, uh, Rashad Penny, who's going like 53. Like there's like there's backups going before him, and he could be in for a hundred catch season this year, especially with Alex Smith. Yes. That's kind of a, that's a bold prediction right there. He hasn't gotten over seventy in his career in a season. He could definitely be in for a hundred cut season. Yeah, um, that would be a pretty big year for him. But that being said, uh, he's battled injuries quite a bit. Although he's usually usually plays his games, he's usually dealing with an injury. Yeah, so he- I think that I think that Crowder. Could I, I'm right there with you. I love Crowder. He's one of my favorite picks. I've been picking him all the time around the eighth and ninth round in best ball all off season. I got I love Crowder this year. I don't think he. I think he'd be a top twenty five at least receiver. So he shouldn't be the wide receiver thirty seven taken. Just uh, I'm. I think I'm off Crowder this year. Do you like anybody? Uh, I mean, who's going to take away from Crowder? I mean, Paul Richardson and Josh Doxson are both contested catch specialists. Well, those supposedly. are their We two, haven't really seen it out of Doxson. Well, those are the, obviously their two um, top uh, two receivers on the depth chart, and then Crowder's in the slot. But, you know, just like you said, he's always hurt, or it seems like he's always battling an injury. Yeah, he's missed one game in three seasons since he's been in the league, but he hasn't gotten over 850 yards in a season. He has 12 total touchdowns, which comes out to four touchdowns per year. And he hasn't gotten over 67 catches in a season in his three years. Breakout so year. I, I, a breakout, it, uh, you know, could happen, but I just don't see it happening personally. Heard it here first. Uh, I'm going to talk about another player that I like, a wide receiver who's going super late, and that's uh, Keelan Cole. For the Jags, he is the wide receiver 68th off the board, currently going 185. Uh, So Cole was undrafted last year and managed to still lead the team in receiving. Uh, He went 42 catches for 748 and three touchdowns. Uh, But he really came on as a deep threat at the end of the year. He finished uh, week 14, three for 99 and a touch week 15 seven for 187 and a touch and week 16 six for 108 so he is super explosive uh i think that uh all camp reports are saying that him and marquise lee have taken have absolutely dominated uh starting reps so they're pretty high on dj chark as a deep threat and dd westbrook is also uh on the team he was pretty decent last year as well but i think that People just sort of still have the undrafted stink on Cole. I don't know why they're taking him so late. He proved to be pretty reliable last year and explosive. 
Yeah, he had a couple good games last year. Jared, do you have any thoughts on Cole? Mm, I, I, I don't know, man. There's too, there's too many receivers there for me to lock down on one person. They could say mm-hmm. what they want to say, but they just they just stroll through everybody, using up everybody. I mean, if you're getting the, or if you're getting a starting wide receiver that late, then he's definitely in play because oh, it's already com- I mean, for the for what we're talking about, him and Marquise Lee are starting. For what but we're talking just, about, yeah, he's going way too late. But for me to like him, I don't like him. Where's uh, where's Marquise Lee going? He's going 124 as a receiver 50. Yeah, so Marquise Lee is going a full 60 picks ahead of Cole. And Cole's being picked in the same range as Chark and Westbrook when he's clearly been ahead of them throughout camp and led the team in receiving last year. So I, I just think Cole has separated himself in that regard, although I do, I could definitely see him, you know, uh, there just being too many mouths to feed, like Jared said. For sure. You guys want to hear something lit? Lit. What is it? Lay it on me, bro. The Packers are shopping Randall Cobb. And that's a segue into my next pick. But now, he should be going where he's going. So, Randall Cobb at 92 (laughs) is very correct if he leaves Green Bay. But if not, way too low. But they're shopping Actually, uh, I just refreshed my screen on Roto World, and the top headline there is that Ian Rappaport uh, is disputing the call that Packers are shopping Cobb. So that could have been a false report. Um, Assuming that Cobb stays in Green Bay, uh, what, what do you like about Cobb? The the if he stays healthy, if him and Rogers stay healthy, they snapped together a, a couple of years ago. He had like he had over a thousand yards and like seven seven plus I don't know the exact numbers, but seven plus touchdowns. And with Jordy Nelson gone and no one else really contesting him, other than I mean Geronimo Allison is not going to push him for slot targets. So he could be in for a big year, especially with Rodgers and that explosive offense. You can't double cover anybody on that offense because there's so many other Jimmy Graham, uh, <laughs> Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Ty Montgomery. When Jamal Williams come back, Aaron Jones, like it's impossible to double cover, double cover anybody. So one-on-ones with Cobb out of the slot is cash all day. Yeah, uh, and, and not only that, but, I mean, besides Adams, who's the clear-cut wide receiver one, pretty much everybody in that offense is relatively new. I know Allison's been there for a while, but uh, you hear about Jake Kumaro. They have uh, Equinemia St. Brown, both new additions. Jimmy Graham is a new addition. And, and Rodgers, maybe more than any quarterback, comes down to trust you know if if Rodgers trusts you you're going to be on the field in Green Bay and uh with the loss of Jordy Nelson Cobb is one of the most uh you know has some of the most in-depth rapport with Rodgers uh, yeah they're giving Yancey a lot of slot targets but I mean I Cobb is definitely out of Green Bay after this year no doubt you say his ADP was 92 yeah I, I definitely think that's pretty fair and that does obviously all change if he ends up uh, being on a different team. But uh, his base salary is $8.6 million this year. Uh, that, combined with his injury history, will probably make it pretty difficult to move him unless the Packers are willing to take on some of that salary in a trade. So, Khalil Mack, first salary, Cobb, Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack will not get traded. I'm sorry to burst your uh, bubble. Do you want to bet? 
I don't know, man. Gruden does not care. Probably Gruden cash on the pod right no, now. The, but the crazy thing is, is they gave John Gruden 10 years, $100 million, but they won't give a top three defensive player any new money? That's crazy. Well, Gruden also uh, disputed that report, saying that that was false numbers, although he didn't clarify what they were. So that could be an exorbitant number. And, you know, who knows if those contracts are like player contracts where the number actually means nothing and it's all guarantees. Is that Until, what until he puts out his tax form, he's making $100 <laughs> million over 10 years. Well, bro, if the president of the United States doesn't have to put out his taxes, I don't think that a head coach is going to have to in the NFL. Well, we're saying. not a political podcast, fair. by the That's way. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. We are not. You guys want to get back to this uh, this action that Jared's willing to put down? You guys want to put some our first on-pod bet? I feel like we'll have a lot of on-pod bets because Mac some, of the, be some of the stuff you guys say is, is crazy. <laughs> Mac is going to well, be a packer. I mean, I would also take you on that just because I'll take the field. <laughs> they got the best odds. I don't know. The Jets reached out today, according to reports, but we're, we're getting too far into this. Um, I mean, what are the Jets going to trade? Off. Nothing. Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, yeah. They really, he'll beat the out, Raiders he'll really beat out Derek Carr. Yeah. <laughs> Carr's trash. Uh, right, never mind. Wow. Let's move on. <laughs> Carr is better than Matt Stafford. I'm gonna I'm gonna delete that just so people think you still have credibility. <laughs> um, let's get into our final topic for today's show, rapid fire. Uh, I'm just gonna toss out some names and quick stats and get the guys' quick reaction on these guys. And I'm gonna kick it off with Jordan Howard, Bears running back. He's currently going 24th, so right at the two three turn in redraft leagues. Uh, the 14th running back off the board. Um, so Howard has had 250 carries both of his years in the league. He's gone over 1,000 yards both years. He was over 1,300 his rookie year. And this should be the best scoring offense he's been on uh, if you are buying into any of the Bears hype. So what do you guys think about Howard going into his third year and at the end of the second round? I personally love Jordan Howard this year. Um, just like you said, they have the best offense around him. They have Mitch Trubisky going into his second year. He should uh, become better. They have Tariq Cohen to take some uh, carries away from Jordan Howard and some snaps. But, you know, it's not too much to worry about. And then they also brought in A-Rob and Anthony Miller. So the offense in general should and Trey be trending. Burn. Yeah, and, and Trey Burn. Taylor Gabriel. And Their whole offense is new. Yeah, the, the whole offense is new. So it should be <clears throat> way better than what it was. So I, I like him a lot. And his strength of schedule for next year is first. Easiest for running backs. Mm-hmm. I love him. Yeah, and another thing about Howard is when you look at the running backs he's going around, McKinnon, Mixon, oh my God. Uh, I, I, I'll take Howard over those guys all day. Just I, I feel like his workload is so secure and – even if the offense doesn't take a huge step forward, and I'm not that high on this Trubisky year two shenanigans that everyone's so hype about, but I, I, I think Trubisky still looks shaky. If you look in the preseason, he does not look like he's prepared to make this Jared Goff year two revelation that everyone's wait. pegging him for. We'll see. Jordan Howard's going to outscore Leonard Fournette this year. That's crazy. That is crazy. I, I will bet you on that. I would bet you on that, too. Ollie cashed on right now. 
we can negotiate yeah. the terms off air unless you want to uh, lay down a number. I'll bet twenty bucks each. Yeah. Deal. Lock it down. Damn. Deal. <laughs> Lock it down, and I'm gonna accept my payment live on air at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to our next player, we got Juju Smith-Schuster. He is going 42nd overall. He's the 19th wide receiver off the board. Uh, what do you guys like about Juju this year? I'm I'm very high on Juju this year. He's he looked he's looked very good in the preseason, and he was pretty dynamic last year. He was extremely dynamic as a rookie. And I and some people I would take him over would be like Demary. I would take him over Demarius Thomas. I'd probably take him over Larry Fitzgerald for the upside. So I I still think he's going too low. Going back to our last segment, but I don't know. I love him. I think he's in for a huge year. For opposing defenses, he's going to be the third thing they're targeting because they've got to deal with Brown, they have to deal with Bell, and Juju should be in single coverage all day long, and he's just so explosive, he should be able to eat all day. Yeah, he, uh, he'll abuse most cornerbacks. And he had yeah. a 73.4% catch rate last year. Which is pretty yeah, good. He's catching sure. three of, almost three out of every four balls thrown his way. That's crazy. Moving on to another player a little bit deeper down the ADP, uh, Jordan Reed, I think is super interesting. He's going 87th. He's the ninth tight end off the board. Uh, with Reed, it really comes down to injury. His whole career has been pretty much shaken by injury. But that being said, Reed is absolutely elite when he's on the field. If he were healthy, I think he would be right up there in that top tier with Gronk, Kelsey, and Ertz. It's simply the injury. So what do you guys think about taking Reed in the mid rounds? I'm not touching him. There's there's definitely there's definitely risk involved with taking him just because of his injury history. But the upside is there, just like you said, he's a top tight end when he plays. And I actually have him in one of my dynasty leagues, so you know I am always a fan of him to stay healthy. Yeah, I like uh I like drafting Reed, but if you if you do draft Reed, you absolutely have to take somebody else. Uh or, or, or at least plan on oh, having a roster sure. spot to stream tight ends in the event that he doesn't play healthy. Maybe maybe even Vernon Davis, the Alex Smith Vernon Davis is back, baby. Throwback to that the 49ers is, days. Mm, wow. I still that is, I, I didn't even think about that. I, I don't Sometimes know, Vernon Davis, Vernon Davis wasn't that bad last year. He wasn't, and especially when Reed is out. Yeah, when uh, Reed is out, yeah, just I, Vernon Davis might be a streaming option uh, every week for me if Reed is hurt. Perhaps one of the very few instances where you would handcuff a tight end. That's yeah. that's groundbreaking uh, fantasy strategy yeah. that you heard here first on the DFS dose. For, for uh, sure. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about another player a couple picks after Reed, and that's Jordy Nelson, who's going as the 40th wide receiver off the board at pick 93. So the concern with Nelson is obviously he's on a new team. Uh, he's getting a downgrade in quarterback, pretty large downgrade in my opinion, to Derek Carr from Rodgers. And he's 33 years old. He's coming off a pretty hit the worst season of his career, uh, although – Technically, Carr's definitely a big upgrade on Brett Hundley, who he was playing with last year. So what do you guys think about Nelson being away from Rodgers in this offense? Uh, he should obviously be the number two to Cooper at this point in his career. Untouchable. Untouchable. I don't like him. 
I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think that if he were going lower, I would have some interest, but uh, the combination of my expectations for Cooper being pretty high and they also added Martavis Bryant, who is much younger than Nelson and does something similar with the downfield game, I could see Nelson being sort of past his prime. But we know that uh, older players is something that Gruden loves, so he might get his chance. I would, I what would, do you think about I uh, Nelson, Joey? take Nelson as a backup. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely risk involved because you don't know at all what he's going to do in that Raiders offense. The Raiders offense, I feel like, would project to pass a lot. I mean, they have Marshawn Lynch, Doug Martin, and some other running backs, but they're not really good anymore at all. Um, Jordy Nelson's getting drafted as a receiver 40, so he's definitely a flex play at this point in his career, but, you know... I could see myself drafting him if he falls to maybe like the twelfth round or thirteenth round. Yeah, if you can get him there, I'm I'm all in. But I mean, currently, you know, at ninety three, he's going way too early. Yeah, Wait, what's his ADP? Ninety three. Ninety three receiver forty. That's right after Cobb. Yeah. Um, no yeah. Uh, actually, the next pick after Nelson is Kirk Cousins, who is the ninth quarterback off the board. Um, I'm not really buying into Cousins this year. Uh, Cousins is usually amongst the league leaders in pass attempts. Uh, he's going to a new team, Minnesota, who last year was 21st in pass attempts. They have a better defense than the Redskins had. Uh, they should have a much more dominant rushing game than the Redskins had, and I'm not sure if Cousins will get the volume necessary to be uh, as productive as he's being drafted as the ninth quarterback. Uh, that being said, he does have great receiving options, a great offense, and great defense. So I, I understand it. I just don't know if I agree with it. What do you guys think about Cousins? I like Cousins. I, I, I like him more than some other quarterbacks. Like, just for example, I like Kirk Cousins more than say Patrick Mahomes for the season. 100 percent. Mm-hmm. Um he's a good quarterback. Like you said, he he does pass a lot, but the Vikings team doesn't pass a lot, but I feel like they will pass more this year just cuz with the uncertainty of Dalvin Cook and his injury and him coming back. And Latavius Murray is eh. he he's I mean, he's good for what he does, but he's good for 10 carries a game. 10 carries. I'm- if yeah. I'm waiting on a quarterback, I'll probably take him because, I mean, I don't know, 12 other quarterbacks I'm going to take over him off the top of my head. i take Rodgers, Brady, Bree, Stafford, probably Derek Carr, Cam Newton. But you can get, but just for example, after Cousins, you can get Stafford, Garoppolo, Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers. Uh, besides Ryan, I think I would probably take all four of those other guys ahead of Cousins. I mean, Kirk Cousins was, was a top six quarterback in fantasy last year. so He was. Well, I mean, the Redskins were also always losing. Which we definitely don't anticipate the Vikings to be this year. Uh, it, Cousins will be an interesting pick one way or the other. Uh, moving quite a bit further down the ADP, we're going to talk about Deontay Foreman, the current backup running back, <laughs> current backup running back to Lamar Miller. Uh, he is on the pup. We don't know if he's going to start the season on the pup, which would 
to me make him almost undraftable if he's not going to be playing the first six weeks. But uh, Foreman definitely has the upside to win that job over Miller, and I think it was anticipated that he would if uh, given the chance. But his injury seems to have derailed him. What do we think about Foreman? I know you're a big fan, Jared. Yeah, if he's healthy, he's dynamic. I loved him coming out of college, but I thought he was going to take the job last year until he got hurt. He was starting to steal some carries, and then he got injured, which sucks. So this might just delay it till next year when they finally cut Lamar Miller. And I think the only reason they didn't cut Lamar Miller this year and save that cap was because Dante Foreman got hurt. Yeah, there were reports uh, in the early part of the offseason that Miller could be a cut for sure. So I totally agree with that point. Uh, you like Foreman, Joey? Yeah, I like him. If if he's healthy, and say, and say if he didn't get hurt last year, he would definitely overtake Lamar Miller as a starter. He's I feel just like not. I feel like after one year, Foreman is better than Lamar Miller, even unless, though he got hurt. Unless your league for some reason has an injury spot, you can't take him. There's no point. I would just wait wait till he comes back. Maybe stash him week four. There are IR spots in yeah. some leagues. Yeah, some, some people not, do that. Not mine. But speaking of your league, the All Star League draft is this Sunday. I'm super excited to be drafting with you boys. Yeah, it's about to get lit. Super excited to to have the best team again. I'm excited to get my name on that trophy for the first time. Joey, what 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 spot did you finish in last year? Who who's who's the first name on the <laughs> who's the first name on the trophy, Ben? That's only because we did the trophy after my uh, my winning year. Yeah, so, technically, you know, to start All-Star, Ben won it. That's straight facts. Technically. But we don't need to dwell on my greatness. I'm, I'm already moving on to the next subject, which is uh, a running back going right after Foreman, and that's uh, Bilal Powell. He's running back 55, going 159 overall. And Powell's not really that interesting on the surface, but when you look at him, so he kind of has the rep as being a pass-catching back. Uh, that being said, he only had 23, 23 receptions last year, but the two prior years he had 58 receptions and 47 receptions. Uh, the only other running backs on the Jets roster right now that I think could pose a threat to him would be Crowell, who has no pass-catching upside, and Thomas Rawls, who also has no pass-catching upside. So Powell could get a significant role, especially if Darnold ends up winning the starting job, which it's looking like he will. You know, a rookie could mean more dump-offs to sort of a safety blanket, which I think Powell could be. And Powell also had a couple games last year over 150 yards rushing. So I remember playing him in cash games when uh, their starter got hurt. So Powell's kind of a plug-and-play in DK last year. Uh, What do you guys think about Powell? I just have one thing to say about Blau Powell. I will never draft him again. <laughs> so we took him as like his first running back last year. <laughs> yeah, in round I think it was round six, I drafted him as my first running back. Yeah, this dude was like, Oh, can't believe you guys all left him here and Blau Powell. I don't right, think buddy. I don't think it was GG. that, but um no, nah, he was pretty bad, so I'm staying away from him. And I feel like Thomas Rawls is the best running back on that uh, roster. I, I definitely agree. I love Rawls. I think he should be a starter somewhere. I'm I'm wondering why he's not. 
Uh, just a, but I guess we'll see. Just a quick question. Speaking about uh, Darnold and the Jet and the Jets quarterbacks, where do you guys think Teddy Bridgewater will go, and for what? Jaguars. That's where I think he should go. Why? Um, I think I think that he could be an improvement on Bortles. I think that he doesn't necessarily turn the ball over, and they've already got a great system in place. Good receivers, as we talked about. J- great defense. Good running game. Nah, the Jags are too committed on Bortles at this point. The thing they the are, thing and, is, and they they already said they won't trade for him. So I mean, the thing is, for the Jags' offense, they need exactly what Teddy Bridgewater does. Just don't turn the ball over, because Fournette will take it down the field. That defense will hold everyone under twenty something points a game. Like, I mean, Blake Bortles didn't really turn the ball over last year, and he was pretty productive. He was a top fifteen uh, fantasy quarterback last year. He's I think that a good. sleeper. I think a yeah, he's not good, but I think a sleeper uh, spot for Bridgewater to land would be the Saints. Um, they were somewhat rumored to be in the quarterback market. Uh, people thought that they might try and trade up and get Rosen to be Breeze's replacement. Um, they might be able to get Bridgewater for cheap if the Jets are really set on unloading him, and he could definitely be the QB of the future there. I think I I think a spot for him should be either the Bills or the Bucks or the Dolphins. The Bills, the Bills. I I, I don't see the Jets trading him to a team in division, which would take the Dolphins and Bills yeah. out of it. Because if they really like him as much as they say, they wouldn't want to help out their rivals. I mean, there have been trades within the AFC East in previous years, but I could see that. Yeah. Um. Moving on to another player, and this is way down the ADP uh, at 227. The 67th running back off the board is Spencer Ware. So Ware is clearly fallen uh, because of the emergence of Kareem Hunt, who led the league in rushing last year. He's pretty dynamic. Uh, That being said, Spencer Ware had almost 1,400 yards from scrimmage in 2016. Uh, He was explosive in that time, and... I could see him sort of regaining uh, a bit of a share in that offense. What do you guys think about Ware? I wouldn't touch him. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely not worth a draft pick, in my opinion. I mean, I mean, he's good as my last roster spot for a handcuff because he was good when he was playing. It's just you need Cream Hunt to get hurt for him to be worth yeah, it. That's true. I think that he's one of the players that if you look around the league at the number two running backs on a team that if the starter goes down where would have potentially the most value he he would instantly be their bell cow back he he could definitely do that definitely. in a situation all right and the last player that we're going to mention today is traquan smith who is going at 265 absurdly low uh that being said i mean he is a rookie uh third round pick for the saints uh, he's the 92nd receiver off the board. Uh, he led the Saints in receiving for both preseason games, which doesn't mean much because uh, Thomas didn't play very much. But when you look at the Saints' depth chart at wide receiver, Michael Thomas, the clear-cut number one, and then after that there's Cam Meredith, who has been injured, and Ted Ginn, who is more of a gadget, deep threat type player. And Smith has looked pretty dynamic in his preseason action. Uh, like I said, third-round pick, so there's some draft stock in him. What do you guys think about Traquan Smith as a player who could be fantasy viable and is basically going for free right now? Um, 
I mean, he's had a pretty good preseason, and reports are saying that he's actually competing for the receiver two spot with Cam Meredith. So if he could take over that spot, he could definitely be in play, and he won't get drafted in leagues, but, you know, if he if it comes out that he's starting, he could be a popular uh, waiver wire pick come, like, week one, week two. Yeah, he's not really in play for, like, a 10 or 12-team league, but if you're in a 14 or 16-team league or a dynasty league, I'd be all over Smith as a player who I'm looking at in the late rounds. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, And then it depends. Next couple of weeks, I might draft him. Depends how, how uh, he's looking. Like, if he could really take this starting job, I'm definitely taking him. Yeah, and I think that's totally reasonable that he could. Uh, with I, I like Cam Meredith, but the Saints have no real reason to play him. It's not like he has a ton of guaranteed money, and they drafted Smith relatively high. So if, if he continues to show well, I don't see why they wouldn't play him opposite Thomas. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that is going to be it for us. Thanks for listening. And once again, as we talked about at the top of the show, we are on iTunes. Uh, subscribe, comment, uh, rate, and review us. It, we would really appreciate it. Uh, send us a screenshot of you subscribing and yeah. you know we could we could uh you know hook you up with something maybe, maybe uh, do that, a giveaway in the future something with something like that yeah and yeah for sure let we'll brainstorm something and come up with a decent giveaway and, and also if you if you just have an iphone all you have to do is go over to your podcast app search the dfs dose pretty easy and then subscribe the, everything's simple it'll take 30 seconds max with on an iphone max it's it's different. 30 seconds mass for our eternal love. It, I mean, it's a pretty good price. It's different if you have an Android. I mean, you should definitely switch over to iPhone if you have an Android. But if you do have an Android, like a Galaxy S9 or something, you could you could figure out a way to do it. Yeah, and if you're a free thinker and not totally sheep and you do have an Android, <laughs> then uh, you can also still find our app on any of the podcast apps oh, on Android. YouTube. <laughs> just yeah, just any, um, any support, we, we appreciate it. We do. Uh, so that's going to be it for us. You can follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. Uh, my personal Twitter is at Ben Hover, B E N H A U V E R. Guys, you want to tell them where they can find you? Uh, my personal Twitter is at Joey Carrion underscore C A R R I O N for the spelling. That's that's Carrion underscore, not Joey underscore Carrion. Well, Joey Carrion underscore and then Carrion. C-A-R-I-O-N <laughs> Mine's Jared underscore underscore Marcus Two underscores Alright guys, thanks for listening We'll see you next uh, week on Monday See ya yeah.